Empower Radio presents Art as Worship with Vanessa Lowry. Welcome to Art as Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths, working in a wide range of mediums, on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as an expression of their spirituality. Learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God, Jehovah, Allah, Source, the Universe, the Great Mystery, or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expressions. My guest today is Joe Crawford. She's an artist, a teacher, an intuitive reader based in Berkeley, California. Through her business, Crafting the Sacred, she works with women to access their intuitive wisdom and express their creativity. Joe was born and raised in South Africa, where she had her first art training in drawing, painting, and fiber art in her teens. She pursued a degree in industrial sociology and adult education at the University of Cape Town and spent several years working in the nonprofit sector. Joe relocated to the San Francisco Bay Area in the late 90s, where she worked as a paralegal for the next decade. In 2007, she took a leap of faith to leave her full-time office job and focus on her creative and spiritual path. It was during this time that she birthed her business, Crafting the Sacred, and recommitted to her creative passions of visual journaling, fiber, and mixed-media arts. She is currently working on the themes of art as a sacred expression, home and belonging, and fertility and birth. Welcome, Joe. Hi, Vanessa. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm just thrilled that you're with us today. And I, um, it sounds like in your art that you actually touch a lot of different things. So um, can you talk a little bit about your, your path as an artist and the kind of work that, that you're doing now? Sure. I mean, first off, I think, I think I see myself as artistic or at least as creative. You know, artist is such a big, heavy word. Since um, since I was really really young, and I was lucky that um, that was fostered as a talent by my you know by by my community. So initially, you know, I think I just played a lot as a kid, and um, you know, and and that's luckily for me continued throughout my work. And I think that's partly because I didn't have a whole lot of formal training. Um, so to me, it was always what I did as time out for myself, and I think how that's developed into more of a spiritual practice was because um, pretty early on I figured out that this is something that calmed me down. That if I was feeling anxious or if, if I was feeling um, antsy in any way, I knew if I got out my my tools, I, I could find a place where I felt whole in a way, for, for lack of a better term. And um, so that's sort of the more thinking way of how I've approached my work in terms of, of what I actually do now, um, a lot of it is, is visual journaling, and, and that's convenience more than anything else because it's on a smaller scale, and um, you, know, you can sort of take your, take your supplies with you wherever you go. And I really love that um, way of, of our creativity being accessible, um, and uh, that, that speaks to me as as a creative person, that it's it's part of my everyday life. It's not that I have to go to a studio in order to create, but rather that it's um, it's a ritual in my everyday life. 
So can I don't you, know if that makes any sense to you. It does, and I, uh, I'd love for you to describe a little bit more about visual journaling. I mean, I've got in my, okay. in my head what that is, but just for our listeners, if you could describe what that, what that means and what that involves. Sure. So, so what that means is having um, a sketchbook or some kind of uh, actual book and um, uh, making mini paintings or mini sketches and um, uh, mixed media pieces that are on a small scale. And, it's, and what I feel where it really works for me is it's a little bit like journaling. You know, if, you, if you're keeping a, a written journal every day, you're just writing down your thoughts and your feelings and sometimes that's free association and um, often it's just kind of getting the clutter out of your head. And that's the same with the visual journaling. You're just doing it in, in, a, in a more um, colorful way. You're using different um, mediums. And it's something I actually only came across pretty recently, and I love it because of that, because I, I'm a very wordy person. So it's a way of getting past the usual journaling where I start to think too much about what words and what does it mean. And it's gotten me back in touch with, with my more intuitive creative side again. Um, which I really love. So do you find that with your visual journaling that you combine words along with the visual part of that? Is that part of the way you do your journal? Um, I do. You know, I've, I've, seen, I've seen some other um, visual journal artists do a lot of text in their work, and I, I don't do as much. I try and just see what colors and forms come out, and then I'll sometimes write a phrase or a couple of words that just sort of sum it up for me. Um, because I'm trying to get away from the words. Let me just say that's part of the process, is to get away from naming everything, from trying to pin down my experiences, and especially when, when I feel that they're, um, you know, what's coming through is, is part of me, but it's also a connection to the divine. Sometimes we don't have the words to describe that. So I try not to use too many. So before you're going to visually journal, do you do something to make that connection with the divine or is that the path that you use to do that connection with the divine? That's an interesting question because I think it's a case by case basis. You know, um, there are times where I know that there's some piece that I need to work through. You know, I'm, for instance, if I'm feeling that I'm really struggling with setting an intention for something that I'm trying to bring into my life, that would be a time where I really sit down meditate, feel that I connect to source before I start. Uh, but more often than not, I'm just getting out my art supplies and I'm throwing down um, color and through the process, I'm like, oh, I see what's been bothering me or I understand that there's a message here for me. And it's, it's more of an unfolding through the creative process that connects me. Does that make sense? It does. It does. So how often do you visually journal? I would love to say that I do it every day, but um, <laughs> which is always my aim. But, uh, you know, the, the truth is it's probably about twice a week at this point. Um, it's, it's something I really would love to, you know, and I, I speak to my clients about this all the time, is if we can bring creativity in our everyday life, we're much, we're much happier people. And somehow I always find some other reason to schedule, schedule in something else, you know. So do you use these many things that you create in your um, these miniatures that you create in your visual journal, do you use them as the starting point of a bigger art piece or are they just an art on their own completely by themselves? 
At this point, they're an art on their own. Um, you know, there, there are a few pieces that I go back to every now and again and wonder if, if they should be a bigger canvas, but um, I'm just letting them percolate. So I know that you do coaching and teaching with other mm-hmm. with other people and other people in the creative industries. How does your own creative process um, translate over when you're teaching or when you're coaching someone else? Well, I think it's really helpful that I'm creative myself because I I understand a lot of the blocks and I understand when, you know, for instance, if if you have an idea that you've got a series in mind and it's just not working, so. What I guess what I bring to to my sessions is the sense of um, you're not alone, <laughs> that um, that the, getting in touch with with our our own way of creativity is really getting to know our own process, thought process, energy process. It's all it's all interconnected, and um, and and really paying attention to what your intuition is saying. And I think that that's the the primary way that I work through it with my clients is, is just listen to what your gut is telling you um, to do, not what your plans were, not what, you know, not necessarily even, and this comes up for writers particularly, not what your agent is telling you you need to be producing, but um, getting out as much as possible because sometimes we just need to create and create and create until we actually get to that gym. Um, you know, there's, a, there's sort of this flushing out that happens. But, and we know that. But when we've got a deadline, we think that we can fast-track it, and it just doesn't work that way. Well, I know how that works sometimes. You think, oh, I've yes. got to get it done, and then it's, um, it doesn't really come because you're too many things in the way with that. Um, exactly. So what are some of the things that you tell your clients to do to help them listen to their intuition? Are, do you have any uh, exercises or processes that you uh, recommend to them? Yeah, I mean, one of the first things that I that I suggest is is actually journaling every day, um, jotting jotting down, particularly in the morning. Um, so similar to to Julia Cameron and the the artist way, her morning papers is you know just clear out a time that you can that you can do a how do I put it? It's almost like a download. Just just get it out there, and then that will clear the way. Um, the other, let's think, what are the other exercises? Um, more than anything else, I just say produce a lot. You know, sit down and expect for the first hour for it just to be about um, clearing house. So if you see it as, as, you know, tidying up before visitors come to, to visit you, when you're expecting, you know, you're having a gathering in your home, you're always going to do a little bit of vacuuming and dusting the surfaces before you can actually prepare the meal. And before you can invite your guests in. I feel that that's a little bit similar to our creative process. We need to sort of set up the internal space so that when the news arrives, they're very comfortable. You know, we, we, you need to be a good hostess, basically. <laughs> be nice to your ideas when they show up. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> don't beat them up at the door because they don't look right. They're not wearing the right shoes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Joe, I, I, you've done a lot of different things in your career, mm-hmm. and, and now you're in this more... Um, creative space. So I'm curious how you moved from working in the nonprofit sector and then being a paralegal into deciding that you wanted your your work and your life to be uh, on a more creative path. Right. Well, you know, it, it's not something I planned out at all, and and part of it just has to do with being a multifaceted person. And um, you know, when I was younger, 
it's, it's also about having grown up in South Africa at the time that I did. I felt this real drive to be involved in um, in nonprofits and more political work, where I felt that they, that I had a, a a role in social change after apartheid, and so that was kind of my drive. And so my creativity sort of took a backseat during those years. And um, you know, the paralegal job was partly something I fell into when I came to the Bay Area, and and I knew it wasn't my sole work at all. Um, it didn't drive me much other than it being a secure job, and but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, and I considered a lot, considered going doing different graduate work, and ultimately it was through my spiritual path that I had this epiphany, and I had been doing a lot of meditation and prayer around, you know, what is it that I need to do because I just feel so unsatisfied, you know, and I, I was finding that I was starting to hold a lot of anger and resentment about my job, not because of the people I work with, but just because it wasn't a good fit anymore. And, um, you know, through the, through literally through prayer, you know, when you, you feel like you're just crying out to the universe, just give me some answer, the, the only thing that came through was you don't belong in a cubicle. And that's all that I knew. And, um, <laughs> but it was a clear message. It was, it was, you don't belong in a cubicle and get out by a certain date. And this was about, I'm talking just over five years ago. So the next day I actually gave him my notice. And, um, you know, I remember speaking to the attorney I worked for and he was like, well, what are you going to do? I said, I have no idea. I just know that I need to make space for myself to figure out, um, you know, how to feel happier in a way. And so um, I cashed out my 401k, much to my dad's chagrin, but uh, it, it felt like I needed, I just needed to do something dramatic. And so during that year, I went on a, on a couple of retreats. I traveled, um, you know, I call it my, I, I like to say that it's my eat, pray, love year, because it was just a year of not doing anything but listening to what my soul wanted. And it, and it was during then that I, you know, started to do more creative things again. At that point, more fiber art. Um, I was doing a lot of sewing and, and embroidery. And um, it just reminded me how much I love that tactile, I want to say a simple way of being. And I don't mean simple as in um, uh, less smart. I mean it in terms of simplicity that I didn't need to analyze anything. I felt in the flow of my life. And and that's, you know, how it start, started to meander into offering the intuitive readings and, and later coaching. And it, it just sort of unfolded in a way without much planning. So how did the, how did the coaching kind of come about? Was that something that, um, that as you started stepping into the more creative work yourself that that it seemed like the next natural step, or was it something that mm-hmm. people started coming to you and saying, hey, how, how are you doing this? Right. It was a little bit of both. And f- first of all, the the major service that I was providing were tarot and, and intuitive readings. And I found that the people who came to see me were mostly other women who were creative. Um, it was a huge part of their life. They were either trying to, to make a living doing it or that was their plan. And so I just noticed that a lot of our sessions weren't really divination as such. It was it was more let's talk about why this is important, how to access um, my you know their their own creative process, how to engage with it, and how to make it profitable. And so that's that's how the coaching came about because I realized well I'm doing this already, um, 
and if I'm if I just make this clearer, then I, I'll, I'll have um, I'll just it will become more a part of my work. Does that make sense? It does. So it's almost like I was just answering the need that arose. And so, do you find that the the people that you coach are are for the most part artists? Yes, and artists in a broad sense. I mean, that's writers all the way through to visual artists and and musicians. So, do the processes that you use as a as a painter and as a, as a fiber artist, are you able to translate those over to someone that's maybe in a different type of art? Yeah, actually, I find it easier when their medium isn't the same as mine because there's less of me in the way. <laughs> um, so, so for instance, I find I really enjoy working with writers um, who are, you know, for instance, if they're getting stuck with a character. Um, and, and there's just a way that their story feels flattened somewhere and they just can't, can't get to it. We'll, we'll pull cards around what does that character's voice need to say. And I find that that's incredibly easy for me to get to. Whereas if it's um, someone who's, who's painting, um, I, I, I get into all the technicality of it, of, well, you know, what is the, the composition like and, and, and such, and, and um, what tools are you using? Because I think my, my analytical brain gets in the way because I know the tools. I know the medium. Well, that's interesting. Are most of the mm-hmm. artists that you work with, are they people that you meet with in person out there in California? A lot of them are, but it's starting to, you know, I also offer sessions over the phone and Skype. And so it's, it's, it's amazing what the Internet can do to bring you people from all over the world. So it's broadening now. Well, and I know you have an ebook on your website that actually has snippets of a, of a number of artists. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, while as I started doing you know all this coaching work, one of the things that really moved me was how inspiring everyone is who's really following their own soul work. And so um, I, I thought, well, I, I, I want to I want to talk I want them to tell their story because the one thing that I find is when we get stuck in our own creative process or we try, especially if we're trying to make a living out of it, we don't realize what we're doing is amazing. And so I would, you know, sit opposite my clients and just say to them, do you understand what you're doing? It's so radical and beautiful and inspiring. And they're like, well, I'm just trying to pay the rent, you know, I'm, it's not. <laughs> and they would diminish themselves. And so, so I invited, um, you know, some colleagues as well as some clients to um, share their stories on my blog. I, I, first, I first did it as a guest series and then pulled out, um, you know, the, the most, a quote from every single person that I found the most inspiring about their path and a package that is the ebook, um, which is called Follow Your Heart. And, um, and, and what, I, I, what I really loved about that process is that every, every one of them said it was, it was so good to get that validation that what they're doing matters, you know, to, to, get out, to see a little bit more of a bird's eye view of what they're doing as a whole because everyone gets so caught up in, in the details of, of um, making it, really. Well, and I, I love that comment that you made of, you know, they were surprised that other people thought that, that it was amazing. Derek Sievers, who started CD Baby and now is doing other things, he did a video that was um, kind of on that theme that was obvious. It, it was, it's obvious to you, but it's amazing to other people that we all exactly. think that the things that are obvious to us, everybody sees as obvious. And that's really not true, and particularly for artists, that we see things differently. Right. And I mean, I think that that, you know, to tie into to what your show is about, art is worship, you know, there is a way in which we priests and priestesses of, of divine inspiration. 
And um, even if we don't see our work as spiritual, you know, there is a way that, but I feel that that's what it is. We sh- we're showing the world like what the beauty of our soul is. And, and that's why people respond. Well, I agree. Absolutely. So, Joe, how has your art affected your spiritual evolution or how has your spiritual evolution affected your art? Well, I, to sort of tie into what I just said, I think the first, the first thing that it, it really made me realize is that um, when we connected to all, which is, which is really part of my, my spiritual belief that, that each individual, each being is, is connected to, to a bigger source, that when, when we create that's an expression of all of that. And so there's so much beauty, even in the ugliest work we do, just to be able to get it out there um, really makes me feel connected. Um, and more than anything else, connects me to my own divi- divine energy. Um, and so that, that's been a, a way that art has really enhanced my spiritual practice, to be able to tap into um, sort of an inner prayer and inner devotion. So how do you decide what of your art you're going to put out there and let other people see? That's a good question. Um, you know, part of part of uh, living online is that we share a lot. And, and I go back and forth about, is this piece a little too personal to share or not? And um, so the, the first thing I want to say is I do have pride. I'll only put up something that I actually like looking at and I think is executed decently. Um, so, so that's one way that I decide. <laughs> uh, and the other is if I feel that there's some universal appeal, you know, even if I'm not expressing the, the very, very personal nature of how the work came about, um, but I know that it will touch other people um, or is accessible in some way, that's, that's what I share. And I'm always, uh, it's always fascinating to me how people interpret the art that they see, which I think is one of the beauties mm-hmm. of of art is that we all bring our own experiences and perceptions to the art that we see or hear or touch or somehow have to interpret that. So mm-hmm. are you surprised at some of the ways people interpret your art that maybe is different than what it, you intended when you created it? Definitely. And, and you know, what's also interesting is when someone says, you know, this reminds me of such and such and it's a deeper, um, level that maybe I hadn't even seen. It was my own blind spot. And so that can be, be actually quite enriching to be like, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. And you're absolutely right. That is what it is. So do you just work with clients one-on-one or do you do any kind of group art projects or group um, art process with some of your mm-hmm. clients? Um, the the group um, processes that I do in, in more of a workshop style are for instance, making vision boards or, um, uh, you know, how to interpret your, your dreams through creativity, mostly in collage. And um, that's primarily because it's quick and easy and um, people don't get intimidated by the tools. And that means that it, that includes clients who don't necessarily see themselves as artistic or creative. Um, and, and so I find that collage and mark making really works for those, for those people. So I, I am curious about the interpreting your dreams through mm-hmm. artwork. I have very wild and crazy dreams. And so how, what are, can you just share a little bit about how that works for people to create a way to interpret their dreams through um, art that they're creating? 
Sure. So the first thing I would usually say to people is this is not a literal interpretation of your dream. More what this is is um, let, let's look at what are the underlying themes that are going on for you, um, what are the symbols that really want to come through, and you know, basically what is your intuition trying to tell you. And so I'll start off the, the class with um, sort of a guided meditation, get them to revisit their dream, and... Um, you know, to just sort of remember what are the markers, what is the what is the feel more than anything else, what is the emotive feeling that comes through, and um, and then have them create their piece, and and usually what it is, it's it's a way of um, you know the 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 personal process is is that the images and symbols that they choose through the collage um, elements gives them idea of what is their psyche really trying to tell them, or what is spirit really trying to get through, not the um, you know, that there was an ice cream cone with wheels on it. But, you know, what, you know, not that, it, and sometimes the bizarreness is important, but often there's an emotive feeling of, you know, longing or um, searching or whatever it is that's, that's wanting to come through. And, and, and in a way, getting it through in the, the visual um, format really allows one to get to, to the kernel of truth that there is for you in that dream. And so do most people find that they're able to, kind of get to that kernel of truth while they're working on that, that artwork or that collage, or is it something that they, that comes to them later sometimes that they, you know, work on it for a while and then later they look at it again and, and see something different. Mm-hmm. I think for, it, for each person it's different. My, my feeling with any kind of intuitive work, including those that, that work in the dream is that, you know, when you first, when you first creative, it has, it has one meaning and the more you look at it, the more layers there are. Um, and because, you know, our intuition doesn't really you know, serve it up on a platter. It's going to come in many courses over, over a long dinner. Um, <laughs> so you might not get dessert until, you know, five years later when you look at it and you're like, aha, that's what, it, what part of what it was about. So I'm curious how you get your ideas and how you decide which ideas you're going to pursue. Um, I have a lot of ideas um, all the time. That's one of my problems is which one to pursue. So I, I do kind of be key notebooks of, um, of all my various brilliant ideas because they all feel brilliant at 2 a.m. Um, <laughs> Don't they, though? And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they really are fantastical. Um, and, and sometimes it's, it's, it really comes down to how, what are my resources? How much time do I have? What do I have in front of me? And what can I create right now? Um, and that will sort of determine what the, the urgency. Although, you know, sometimes, you know how it is, there's something you get a bug in you and you just need to get it out. And no matter what what you try and do in your life, it keeps coming back to, I need to make time to paint such and such. And um, and so that's when I'll just, you know, that's, but it's not really a choice then. I think then you just, you're the conduit to make it happen. It just gets big enough that you have to do something about it. Exactly. It's going to drive you insane. <laughs> So, Joe, can you tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you and how they can find your ebook and find out more about your work? Sure. Well, I'm I'm found easily online at craftingthesacred.com, and um, I also have a Facebook page, Crafting the Sacred, and on Twitter, I'm my handle is Sacred Craft. But you know, go to my website; that's where you find everything. In terms of the ebook that we that we talked about earlier, Follow Your Heart. You can find that on my website under the um, freebies page where I have a couple of other free resources for you to download. 
Oh, that's awesome. So, mm-hmm. Joe, is there any last thing that you would like to tell our listeners about using art as an expression of spirituality before we close up today? Sure. I mean, I think the the main thing is that I really believe that our creative force is a divine force, and and whether we like it or not, we're creative beings, and you have to get it out. Whether it doesn't matter what medium it is, it doesn't matter how, how well it's executed, and doesn't matter if you ever show anyone else. But that it's just so important to allow yourself um, the breathing room to to get out that beauty that's inside you and. Um, more than anything else, I feel that that's what makes us remember that we're divine beings and that and that there's, there's a purpose for us here. And uh, I guess that's my closing words. Well, Joe, thank you, and I appreciate you being on the show today. Um, share with our listeners one more time how they can get in touch with you. Um, come and visit me online at craftingthesacred.com. Thank you, and thank you to our listeners. I welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows. You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio and on our website, artasworship.net. Please come and share your stories of art as worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash art worship, or suggest an artist that we should interview. Listen in next week as we talk with another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week. Namaste. Namaste.